I imagine that the shadows were lengthening as Jonah found his way after several days walking down to the shoreline in the ancient city of Joppa along the coast of the Mediterranean. I picture him sitting there on the edge of the dock listening to the lapping of the waters as they washed up against the, the old piers there. And as he waited for the ship to arrive, he found his own heart in a similar kind of melancholy ebb, echoing the sound of the waters. Jonah was in a place where he had experienced the blues before. They had always gone away with time, but this time something was different for him. Two hours later, however, Jonah was on board a ship bound for sunny Spain. A vacation would be exactly what he needed, he thought, to wash away these dark feelings that were starting to swirl within him. While making small talk with some of the other passengers, a woman wanted to know what it was like for him to work in the court of the king. As another person interrupted and began to ramble on about the good old days when the prophets of Israel really stood up for God and shared his message in a way that changed lives. And growing increasingly uncomfortable in the midst of this conversation, Jonah grew silent and backed away and politely excused himself, said he was going to go downstairs, down below. He was tired from his long journey and was going to hit his berth early tonight. The hours that followed were something out of a nightmare in Jonah's mind as one disastrous moment seemed to blur mercilessly into the next moment. There was the angry voice and the strong hands of the ship's captain suddenly shaking Jonah awake and then the staggering rush up the galleyway and onto the pitching deck of the ship as the storm raged around Jonah and the waves and the spray washed over him and blended into a chaotic frenzy. Then there were the surges of panic and fear and grief that coursed through Jonah as the storm suddenly made sense to him and he realized it was because of him that everyone now was in this perilous danger. And then Jonah knew what he must tell the captain and the crew that they must do. And then it was the swirling darkness of the cold night sea engulfing him surging around him as he sank down, down, down in the darkness until something out of the deep swallowed him whole. Then silence. Silence for three days and three nights when cries too deep for words flew from Jonah's heart and soul to the only one who might possibly hear him now. And this is what Jonah prayed. In my distress, I called to the Lord from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help. For you, O God, hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I have been banished from your sight. 
The deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. And to the roots of the mountains I sank down until the earth beneath barred me in forever. Can you hear anything that rings at all familiar in the words and more deeply the sentiments contained in those prayers? Well, none of us, I pray, will ever know what it is to be literally swallowed by a whale. I can imagine that many of us can hear in the words of Jonas at Jonah, at least a metaphorical echo in a sense of an experience that at one time or another we may have known for ourselves or seen others experiencing. I'm speaking of the deep, dark, drowning despair of depression. Of depression. Some years ago I read and was powerfully affected by a book written by William Styron entitled Darkness Visible, a memoir of madness. And in this remarkable book, the Pulitzer Prize winning author chronicles his own experience and journey with severe depression in terms that actually evoke striking comparison with, with the description that Jonah gives us of his journey into the depths. Styron writes that depression ranges from a sense of wan cheer to fits of black despondency to a veritable howling tempest in the brain out of which we can see little light or hope. In the midst of this storm of murk, as Styron describes it, a person may be buffeted about by violent fluctuations of mood. They may be unable to sleep or like Jonah, they may want to do nothing but sleep to escape the horror of what is going on in their souls moment by moment, day after day, as the psychic energy of their life throttles back to zero, Styron says. In its most extreme forms, depression is known by the sort of drowning feeling of, of worthlessness and futility that is described in today's text. And sufferers will feel the almost palpable pull of a thousand pressures and demands wrapping around their minds like seaweed, as Jonah describes it, dragging them down into the depths, and they may be unable to talk with others, they may be unable to continue working or carrying on with any kind of vitality, the normal routines of life, all the while feeling, as Jonah did, an acute abandonment by God and by others. Sometimes, says Styron, the pain becomes, and I quote, so devastating that the sufferer can no longer endure the agony of it and chooses to surrender to the cold sea of oblivion instead. One variety of this malady is termed by psychiatrists endogenous depression. Endogenous depression is regarded as primarily having its roots in internal biochemical imbalances that are needfully treated by some form of medication. Clinicians are coming to believe, however, that even endogenous depression 
can sometimes be triggered by a second condition they call exogenous depression. Because that form of malaise is stimulated by external factors that then come to reside in a person's interior world. Some of these factors may well be termed, as we would say it in our parlance, as spiritual conditions. And here again, I think we learn from the life of Jonah. Some of you know that it was not without good reason that Jonah felt the inner anguish that he was feeling when he got on that boat. If you know the backstory, if you were here last week, if you've read the story in Jonah, then you know that Jonah had set off from Tarshish to avoid, to Tarshish to avoid something. As we explored last week, the word of the Lord had come to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and had called him to go preach a message of repentance to the Assyrian kingdom, Israel's worst enemy. He had been called to go to the capital city of Nineveh and call them to turn from their wicked ways and back to God. And Jonah said, not that. Not that. For Jonah, the thought of going into the midst of the terrorist camp like that was a, was a horrible thought at, at terrible risk of his own physical safety. But even worse than that, in the mind of Jonas, we know from the, what comes later on in the story, was the thought that maybe the Assyrians would actually hear the message of God and turn from their sins and repent and be forgiven and therefore would not suffer the punishment, the judgment that Jonah wanted to see leveled against these evildoers. And so rather than traveling the 500 miles northeast to Nineveh, Jonah got on a boat in Joppa and traveled more than 1,000 miles to the far west of that place, to far off Tarshish, to flee from the Lord, the scripture says. Have you ever tried to do that yourself? Have you ever heard a call, sensed a call from God, and chose to run from it rather than to respond to it? Have you ever found yourself in a position where you were just thinking that I will not do this that you call me to? The great English poet Francis Thompson, who was once a homeless alcoholic, tells his own story of a lifetime trying to flee from God's pursuit of him in the host of, a, of all kinds of despairing involvements in his life. His poem, The Hound of Heaven, known to many previous generations, has been lost to our present time, and I want to share it with you again today, simply because it says so beautifully something of that which Jonah learned the hard way too. Thompson writes, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the mist of tears, I hid from him. And under running laughter, up vistaed hopes I sped. And shot precipitated adown titanic glooms of chasmed fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after. But with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, 
deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat, and a voice beat more instant than the feet, saying, all things betrayest thee, who betrayest me. And so all things betrayed Jonah. Every form of refuge he sought betrayed him as he betrayed the call of God in his own life. It was the wind and the sea that conspired against him. It was the ship's crew that eventually turned against him. It was the great fish that eventually came to him, all preventing Jonah from running any further. And in the end, it was Jonah's own nature which most betrayed his need, his deep, profound need to respond to the call of God. And there in the belly of that fish, when life, it seemed, had swallowed Jonah whole, he came to the realization that it was what he had swallowed that was the root of his problems. And so there, in the darkness... Jonah came to terms with what he must do. I want to emphasize again, before going further, that some forms of depression have their roots in legitimate medical causes that require a doctor's help to address. This type of depression, if you're suffering from it, if you know loved ones who are, has, has nothing to do with your spiritual condition, with your relationship with God, you came by this condition honestly. And you deserve compassion and the help of, of trained professionals to assist with it. If the depression that you're dealing with is, in a sense, of the second kind, the exogenous kind, then, then the sadness and the disorientation that you may be feeling or your loved one may be feeling can come from an attempt to run away from some Nineveh in our life. And I want to invite you to think about that possibility with me. If you're experiencing some kind of storm or darkness or despair within you in this season of your life, Nineveh can be that hard challenge or that broken relationship, or maybe that crucial calling from which you understandably want to flee, yet which God is determined to help you face, no matter where you may run or sail. Perhaps your Nineveh is a loss that you've suffered recently, a loss maybe of a particular person, or of a position, or of a place in life, or of a certain context and continuity to your life, or a capacity that you once had, and you've been doing your best to just stuff down the reality of that loss. But God is actually calling you to face it, to enter into the pain of that, to grieve it in a deeply healthy way so he can help you. Go on with your journey. Maybe your Nineveh is some uh, anger that you've held inside for too long. Uh, some frustration, some profound disappointment. But God is calling you now to put away that false face of poise and control and to grieve or to rage for that which hurts. Maybe Nineveh for you is a difficult encounter you need to have or a, or a, or a responsibility that you need to undertake that you have been dreading, putting off, procrastinating again and again when the only thing that is going to give you the peace you're seeking 
is for you to step up and step out and to face that very task or thing with courage. Maybe your Nineveh is guilt over some past action that you've uh, done. It haunts you somewhere deep inside, but God is calling you now to confess that sin afresh to him and to dare to believe in his readiness to forgive you, to wash you clean, to allow you to start again. Or perhaps your Nineveh is something else entirely. Maybe it's something which you can't even begin to put your finger on. You don't know why you're feeling this way. Uh, you wish you understood what was going on inside of you. And if that is the case for you, I want to encourage you to seek help with that. I want to welcome you to come and talk with me after the service today with one of the other pastors of the church, with, with Eric or with Tracy or with Pete or with Dave or with Rick or with Lisa or with any one of us. Come and talk with us. Or make an appointment with someone in our pastoral care department this week. Or go and seek the help of a Christian counselor someplace else. Uh, don't carry this pressure alone. Uh, if there's anything I know about the witness of God and the history of the church, it's never the intention of God to see us carry the pain of life, the darkness of life by ourselves. Let someone help you discern what it is that is consuming you or which you may have consumed that is creating such darkness inside. You know, if there's a message more overarching than any others in the scriptures, it is this idea that God is not afraid of the darkness. That God is especially compassionate towards those who are walking in the darkness of life. And it is to those places that again and again we see God entering in. We watch God seeking and finding Adam and Eve in the midst of the darkness of their original sin. We see God pursuing Israel as they continue to fall away and flee from him. We see God supremely entering into human history, into the darkness of a stable in Bethlehem to bring light to the world. We see God going to the darkness of the cross to meet humanity in its place of greatest need. God is not afraid of the darkness. And he will meet you wherever you have gone with hope and with life if you will face the things that he wants you to face. So deep in the belly of that fish, God found Jonah and he came to his senses and he recognized the Nineveh within him from which there was no possible flight and he knew the task before him, and he vowed to take up that task with fresh vigor and with trembling will. And for the first time in a long time, there's this little glimmer of light in the spirit of Jonah. Listen to his words. I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you what i have vowed i will make good for salvation comes from the lord and the bible says that the lord commanded the fish and it vomited jonah onto dry land 
Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I would love to be able to tell you that thereafter the story just ended happily ever after. Jonah came to to terms with the call of God. He repented of of his temptation to avoid the call of God. He answered the call of God. And the rest of his life was one of sunny disposition. But it just didn't happen that way. In actuality, it was just the beginning of the next struggle for Jonah. He was going to, to an even fiercer encounter with the character of God. And a God who was calling Jonah to expand his vision beyond the very tribal, closed-in, hardened position that he had. God was trying to change Jonah's heart, and it was not going to be a a quick process for Jonah at all. Yet the good news here is that Jonah had taken the first step. He had moved beyond his flight and, and the worst of his darkness, and at least now he was heading in the right direction towards a creative struggle out of which an entirely new kind of heart could be born in God's servant. For those of us who still wallow in the belly of some whale someplace, a serious struggle may be ahead of us too. Uh, we may have a lot more work to do with whatever the issue is, that God is calling us to face. But the testimony of this story and and the reality of everybody who's ever been called by Jesus to take up their cross and to do the tough thing, to, to walk with God, the testimony of the scriptures is that new life often comes at a price, but it is worth pursuing it. It is worth doing the work. Honest struggles are very often the only road to lasting hope beyond the shores of depression or any of the other difficulties that come our way. So let me just ask you this in closing today. What have you been saying not this to? What is the Nineveh in your life right now? That thing that you have been fleeing from, that God might be calling you to turn and face. How big a storm or fish is God going to have to send to swallow you till you figure out that it is time for you to answer the call. Make the decision today. I'm going to start walking that road to Nineveh. I'm going to find out if just maybe that frightening road leads not to death as I fear, but to a whole new and larger kind of life. This I promise you. You are not going to have to walk that road alone. If you will share your story with the others of us, we will walk that road with you. And I promise you that wherever you go from here, if it's in the direction of the call of God, you will have the companionship of Jesus Christ who will walk every moment, every step of that journey beside you. Please pray with me. Lord God of life, you who abides with us through every joy and every sadness, move by your spirit today, we pray, to awaken us 
to those issues and struggles that in your great love for us, you want us to face. Give us the courage to turn toward the challenges of life with hope. Grant us vision to see in every moment of stress and pain an opportunity for growth and renewal. And instill in us, Lord, a love that lifts up those who feel down in the depths. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.